Well, good morning. I was going to say, just because we're Baptists, you can say things and say amen and get excited because it's Easter. And uh, if you were here on Good Friday, man, this place was packed and we had 610 people and this place was alive. And yeah, who was here? God was absolutely at work. And so before we jump in, I just want to say good morning and welcome. If you are new or if you're watching online, we would love to connect with you. And so make sure that you do that before you leave. And uh, my name is Steve. I am the lead pastor here. And I'm excited to celebrate Easter. Easter is one of my favorite Sundays of the year. It is our Super Bowl. We should be excited because of what it represents. And one of the things that we do at Easter, if you're new, is we say things like, He is risen, and then He is risen indeed. And I just want to take a moment to do that. So, He is risen. He is risen indeed. He is risen. One more time. He is risen. Good job. You're almost like it's not, you're not Baptist anymore. I like it. Well, again, why Easter? Like, why is this such a big deal? You know, is it because we can eat mini eggs? For some, yes. Okay. Is it because of the pastel bunnies and the Easter egg hunts in the backyard? No. It's because of what Jesus did and three days later resurrected. It's because of this resurrection that it was the most significant event of all time. That there was power in what Jesus did. Something amazing happened. That he conquered death. And what Jesus did on the cross affects us today. That that same power lives in us. That same power makes a difference in your marriage. It makes a difference in how you relate with other people. It makes a difference in your day-to-day. That is just not an event that happened many years ago. That Christ is alive today. Many years ago, I was in Hawaii, one of my favorite places on earth. And I was watching these guys surf and ride these massive waves. And I decided to get right in there with a GoPro, and I was trying to get the angles. And all of a sudden, this big, massive wave pounded me down. And I felt the power. You know, I got up, and I was like, okay, I don't think I should do that again. (laughs) Think of the power of an earthquake. Think of the power of the wind. Think of the power of a forest fire. Think of the power of a volcano. Or even think of the power of a nuclear bomb. And the Bible tells us that that resurrection power is so much more. It's so much greater 
And that resurrection power is the work of God that is demonstrated to us on a cross, dying, and then coming back to life. This is why Easter matters. This is why we can have that same power living in us. And when we experience it, the lights come on. You know, it's like wandering in the darkness, and then suddenly you can see the source of light, and everything changes. It's the difference between seeing in black and white, and now you can see in full color. It's God's work within us. You may be struggling with loving others. You may be struggling with your health. You may be discouraged. You may be thinking, you know, can I continue on? Well, this morning, you need this power. You need a spiritual awakening. You need an encounter with the living God. You know, I believe that the Canadian church needs a reminder of this resurrection power. I see way too many defeated people out there. You know, we're walking around like zombies, discouraged, like, can I do this? Do I have to go to church? Do I have to pray? I want to let you in on a little secret. The secret is simply this. You don't have to live that way, church. Why? Because of Easter, because of that resurrection power, we can explain what this means to dead people. We can experience, because of this resurrection power, joy and hope and peace and satisfaction in a life that is absolutely a disaster, a mess that seems dead. So first, we need to come alive. By turning around. We need to come alive by turning around. Let's jump into the story, and you can follow along in your Bible or your app. We're looking at John 20, verse 11. This is what it says. Now Mary stood outside the tomb crying. And as she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb. Why is Mary crying? Well, she's crying because everything seems hopeless. She looks in the tomb, and she were, she's reminded of death and despair and all the things that she thought went wrong. She had this sense that everything's kind of been turned around. She sees Jesus as a dead person in history, but not the living Christ. So she weeps. She's broken. She doesn't know what to do. She's probably thinking, you know, I, I've hoped for greater things, God. Why this? How can I continue on? In her mind, her faith has died. Her hope has died. And she's filled with doubt. Well, let's keep reading in John 20, verses 12 to 14. She says, she saw two angels in white seated where Jesus' body had been, one at the head and one at the foot. And they asked her, woman, why are you crying? 
She responds, well, they've taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. And at this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there. But she did not realize that it was Jesus. I want you to notice that in her brokenness, she was actually facing the wrong direction. She couldn't clearly see that Jesus was right there. She was distracted. And yet Jesus was speaking to her, and she didn't realize it. No, she was caught up in the formal life. She was caught up in her past. The only thing that she could see was sin and death. And there she was, broken, weeping, crying, stuck. And Jesus saying, hey, you're facing the wrong direction. I'm right here. Come, turn around. You know, Paul says something similar in Ephesians 2, verses 1 to 2. And he says, And you were dead in your trespasses and sins, in which you once walked following the course of the world, following the prince of power of the air. And what does Paul mean when he says you were dead? Well, Paul is talking about our old life before Christ. He's talking about following that path that leads to death and sin and despair. He calls it the ways of the world. You know, following our flesh, our desires, doing things on our own strength. It's the dysfunctional behavior that we continue to live in and do. It's looking behind us, not ahead. It's being stuck in sin and continuing that path over and over and over again and then expecting a different outcome. It's actually the definition of insanity, right? Yet, that's what we do. You know, we, we give our life to Christ and then we, we continue on in the dysfunction and the sin, because we, we love it so much. You know, I was thinking, what if we drove to church looking in our rearview mirror the entire time? Like, we were focused on it. There's some of us was like, that actually could be entertaining. <laughs> but eventually, you will crash. <laughs> Eventually, you will hurt someone or yourselves or at least your vehicle. It may seem actually quite fun in the moment, but when we are so focused on the past, that is all you can see, and you cannot move forward. You know, what if someone is always bringing up your past sins? What happens? You get stuck. It feels heavy. It doesn't help you move forward. You, know, you think if, even in a marriage relationship, I'm going to get in trouble now. But you're in a fight, right? And someone brings up the past. What does it do? It adds fuel to the fire, doesn't it? It actually makes it worse. <laughs> 
but it's also a sign that there's unforgiveness. It also displays that we haven't moved on, that, that we, we have this hard heart. And when we continually bring up the past, we can't move forward. Ah, but what happens when we turn to Christ and give up our past? Something changes. It's because Christ redefines our past. It's because Christ takes your shame and your unforgiveness and he says, I remember it no more. It's because Christ turns us around and we can start to move forward and leave the past behind, leave the old life behind. Someone said this, you can't start the next chapter of your life if you keep rereading the first one. It's when we allow guilt to cripple us. You can't move on. But guilt over the past or present sins weighs you down. It disables you. It leads you to a place of shame and you're stuck in the past. And Jesus is saying, turn around. Look at me. I'm here. I'm alive. Put that behind you. And Paul is saying, stop living on that path of sin and death and turn around, turn around, turn towards me and see that there's something better. There's new life. There's something beautiful on the horizon. Turn to me and see that I am alive. As we were saying on Good Friday, we need to turn from our unwillingness. We need to turn from our unwillingness to forgive Our unwillingness to obey, to serve, to trust, to give our full selves to Christ. And when we turn to Christ and do that, you see new life. Because the old is behind us. And you can move ahead. So how do we do this? How do we become alive? Well, it's simply this. We need to know Jesus and his power. We need to know Jesus and his power. Philippians 3, 10 to 11 says this, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Let's focus on the words, I want to know him. What does it actually mean to know Jesus? Is it knowledge about him? Is it intellectual? Is it the contents of our brain? No. What it means to know Jesus, it means to have a relationship with him. It means to have this connection with him. This growing intimacy that you truly know him. And as you walk through life... The Spirit of God is working in you, guiding you and directing you. And every time you try to go back, he turns you like, no, here I am. It's waking up in the morning and living each day with him and knowing his sweet presence. It's learning the heart and mind of God day in and day out. And then when you're struggling with the past, you're like, you help me with this? 
can you help me move forward? Can you help me see your face more clearly? But I think the thing is, if you want to move from your past and start moving forward, you need to hear the voice of Jesus and respond. You need to hear the voice of Jesus and respond. So what does it mean to know the power of the resurrection? Well, the Spirit of God gives us the means to change. It's not something that you can do on your own. It's not something that you can do that's just simply intellectual. It's the power of God that He places in us, that guides and directs us. Think of it this way. Our dead spirits are like deflated balloons. And then the Spirit of God fills that balloon and makes us alive in Christ. This happens when we respond to the Holy Spirit's calling. When we repent, when we turn back to Him and we invite God to work in our life and do what we can't do. The Spirit of God fills us, ignites us. It gives us something that we absolutely need. The Bible calls it, God breathes on us. He breathes on our deadness. A new life happens. Well, let's bring it back to the resurrection. Here's a question. Is the resurrection life of Jesus coming back into the old body and living the old life after being dead? Or is the biblical resurrection living a new life after being dead? It's living a new life. It's not going back to your old life. Even Jesus himself didn't go back to his old life. That he was given a new body, a new life, and something new was happening. And I think when we, you know, pray a prayer, we invite Jesus in, and we go back to our old life, we've missed it. We've completely missed what God has for us in that newness, in what's beautiful, in that path towards him. Resurrection power always has to do with new life. Can you say that? Resurrection power always has to do with new life. And God has placed that exact same power in you and I when we turn to him. You know, there's a lady named Yola that has been attending this church for the last four or five months. Man, you got to hear her story. I'm going to give you little snapshots of it. But she's experienced this power right here. But she felt something say, you need to go to Campbell River. And at this point, she knew nothing of Christ. She knew nothing of God. And she got in her car and started driving. And as she was driving, something inside of her, not of God, told her to end her life to swerve into oncoming traffic and be done and be dead and let it all be gone. She was tempted. And the Spirit of God said, no, continue on. I have something better for you. So she drove and drove and drove and she ended up in Campbell River. 
she went to immigration, and someone at immigration, you know, had started this conversation with her, and then she simply said, hey, I need help. I need counseling. Where can I go? And this person at immigration who I don't know said, hey, I, I think you should go to the Baptist church. So one Sunday morning, here's Yola. I don't know the moment, but there was a moment when she found Christ here. And she became alive. And this church, ladies in this church, invited her in and discipled her, fed her, took care of her, loved her, and new life started to spring up. She was telling me, Steve, I've experienced nothing like this. This is amazing. We've got to tell everyone that Jesus is alive. That Jesus is transforming me. That Jesus is transforming others in this community. Can I say, just like Yola, what seems impossible in your life right now? What is dead? What needs the power of God? So lastly, we need to come alive. Ephesians 2, 4 to 5 says this, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, and it is by grace you have been saved. So what does it mean to be alive? The dictionary says it's a state of action, operation, full of energy and spirit, lively, vividness, vibrancy. That's what it means to be alive. And when Christ comes in, that's exactly what happens to our spirit. We don't stay dead. We become vibrant. Something new is growing. Something is moving. We can't stay still. We can't stay dead. And we can move forward by the grace of God. It means you are connective and active in building God's kingdom. It means that you are a new creation and the old is gone. It means that though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. And by focusing on Jesus, you learn to turn towards him. You move into alignment with him and something happens. You can't be quiet about it. You can't stop and move. You must move forward in Christ. You know, all relationships start at a connecting point. You know, for example, in a marriage relationship, romantic love begins when there's some kind of attraction. You know, it's like, hey, hey. And somehow you get together, you know, you go on a date, whatever it is, and sparks fly. But there's also things that you need to do to keep that relationship alive or it dies and you move on. 
Irwin's going to actually help me with two chairs as I illustrate this. But a guy named Willard, Willard Hartley, who is a psychologist, started doing a lot of marriage counseling. And he kept seeing these patterns of when couples, when their relationships started to die. And actually, he got kind of concerned. He's like, you know, I've been counseling and counseling people, but I don't know what it is that is killing these relationships. I don't know what advice that I need to give. And so he started, you know, documenting and recording. And finally, he saw a pattern. And it's simply this. The pattern is we all have needs. And when a husband and a wife work hard at meeting the other's needs, the relationship thrives. It grows. It becomes alive. And he starts to write. He says, well, here's some of the good patterns that fuel a marriage. And it's a little bit different for every couple. But there's affection. There's sexual fulfillment. There's conversation. There's recreational companionship. There's honesty. There's openness. You know, there's attractiveness, there's responsibility, there's family commitment, and the list goes on and on. And when you work on those things, the relationship grows. It continues to be, be what it needs to be. But then he noticed that there's patterns that harm or destroy relationships. You know, there's someone who becomes cold. They start neglecting the other. You know, they're not being fulfilled sexually and emotionally. There's no conversation. There's dysfunction in communication. There's lying. You know, work becomes more important than the family or the spouse. And I think the interesting thing is, is when we work hard at meeting the other person's needs, when we you know, sacrifice ourselves and go, okay, I see you. I, I want to be with you. I want to create patterns in our relationship to connect. The relationship stays alive. Our relationship with God is very similar is that when we are fully align our lives with our relationship with Jesus, it becomes alive, it becomes full, it becomes beautiful. And here's some, full pat or some patterns that fuel a good relationship. When we have conversation with God, you know, every day, you know, we pour that cup of coffee and go, hey, God, what do you have for me today? And you open up the word of God, God, what do you want to say to me today? When there's obedience, when there's repentance, when there's sharing our lives with others, when there's accountability, when we worship, when we serve, when we celebrate, our relationship with God grows. And when we don't, it dies. I have two chairs here. Think of the, a couple. You know, when one person decides that they want to connect, they want to help grow the relationship, and they're working really hard at that, meeting the other person's needs. But one of the people decides to turn their back on the relationship. What happens? It dies. It takes two. Think of 
the relationship between us and God is when, you know, we're, we're working at building that connection and where we're fully repenting and giving ourselves in surrender to God, we have this, we're facing each other. But when we start looking behind and we start going back to our old life and sinning, we start to turn away from God. And we wonder why we feel dead. But here's the thing. God never turns his chair. He's always facing us. He's always waiting for us to turn back to him. He's waiting for us to engage him. He's waiting for us to commune with him. He's waiting for us to leave the old life behind and start moving ahead, living a life that is alive. The thing is, is that we need to turn around. So in closing, I'm going to call the worship team up. Why are so many people dead? I think there's two possibilities Number one, they were never alive in the first place. Or number two, that they have turned away from God. But the good news is, is we don't have to live that way. That through what Christ did on the cross and three days later and resurrected that same power... That same power lives in us and will make a difference in your life. And when you come alive, you can't help but experience joy, peace, patience, and kindness. And someone said it like this, only the gospel can truly save you. But the gospel doesn't make good people good. It makes dead people alive. And this is what Easter is all about. It's when we go to Jesus, we have access to this resurrection power, the power to overcome sin, the power to love when there is no love, the power to humble yourself before a king and go, okay, God, I need your power. I need you to change my heart. I need you to do a work in me that I cannot do myself. And this is the good news of the gospel. It's not performance-based. It's based on us turning towards God and getting on our knees and saying, I repent, I'm going to turn back to you. Or maybe it's turning to God for the first time. And the resurrection of Jesus was God's yes to making all things new. It wasn't just the cross. It was the cross and the resurrection. And Jesus says this in John 11, I am the resurrection and the life, and anyone who believes in me will live, and everyone who lives in me and believes in me will never die question for all of us is, do we believe it? So what about you? Are you alive in Christ? 
Does your life display something that is more alive than dead? You know, are you still dwelling in the past? Are you still living in the patterns of the old life? This morning, let's turn towards Jesus. Let's become alive, fully alive. Sarah Young says this. Many problems vanish instantly in the light of my love because you realize you're never alone. And other problems may remain, but they become secondary to knowing me and rejoicing in the relationship I so freely offer you. And I love this. Each moment you can choose to practice the presence of being alive in Christ or the presence of problems. In each moment. So I'm going to throw two questions up on the screen. The first question is, are you spiritually alive? The person beside you asks you, what would your answer be? And the next question is, what is keeping you from being fully alive in Christ? I'm going to call our prayer teams forward. And if you need prayer for any reason this morning, maybe it's like, oh man, I need to come alive. I know that my life is dead. I'm stuck in the past. I'm stuck in sin, and I need freedom this morning. Man, come to the front and get prayer. Or maybe you're just struggling. Maybe you've been a Christian for 40 years, and you're feeling dead. And this morning, God wants to light, relight that fire in you. Man, come Come to the front and ask for prayer. Maybe you need healing emotionally. Maybe you need help beyond yourself. Again, come. Just before I pray, the worship team is going to sing a song. And it's called Come Alive. And after that song, we will continue to you know, worship together. But as we're singing or listening to the, the words come alive, spend some time in prayer and ask God, are you alive? What needs to change? And take a moment to really connect with his spirit this morning. So let me pray for you. God, thank you for the message of Easter. That you came alive and that you can make us alive in Christ because of what you did on the cross. And God, if there's anyone here this morning that is feeling dead and stuck, I just pray that you would breathe life into them. God, I pray that people would surrender themselves, that I would surrender myself. God, if there's anything that is keeping us from fully seeing you, help us to turn around, to leave those things in the past, to let go of sin, to change course, as you say. God, I just pray that you would fill this place with your presence right now. In Jesus' name, I pray, amen. So as we're singing, if you need prayer, I invite you to stand, to come forward. The rest of you can stay seated and just take a moment to talk to God.